Welcome. Welcome to Know Your Roles, the podcast where every week we find unexpected connections. We talk music, we talk television, film, literature, we even talk sports and more. I'm one of your hosts, Dave Kleiman. This is my co-host, George Payton's Playpen, Gordon the Third. Take it away, George. Thank you, Dave. Dave, I'm going to try to contain myself for this episode this evening. <laughs> Today on the show, we have uh, cellist Emily Hope Price, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how I handle myself. You may have to call somebody from the bullpen to take over because I'm I'm super excited about our guest this evening, and we're going to be talking about alien films and arcade games. Before we get into all that, man, what's going on with you? Oh man, it's been a week, man. It's uh, I'm uh, I'm a little tired mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but uh, you know I'm hanging in there. Thanks to like the research that we do with this podcast and everything, I've because of what I referenced last week, I've been listening to a lot of Diggable Planets <laughs> this week. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, that's been you know putting me in a pretty good pretty good vibe. Like walking back from work, like in the dark, uh, smoking and smoking a legal spliff and not having to like look over my shoulder, or, like walk the same way that like with the cars facing me, so I can like see co- who's coming. Um, so yeah, that's nice. Uh, to quote the song that I referenced last week, uh, the fascists are some heavy dudes. So uh, mixed bag, but uh, mm-hmm. but I'm excited to do this podcast. I'm happy to be recording this right now with you. So uh, what uh, what are you what have you been up to, George? You know, same. I mean, like uh, you, it's it's been the week. It's been, of course, been something and then uh, we don't we're not gonna get into it but I, I want everybody to know that it's been weighing on my mind i've been trying to sort of do the things that i can do to sort of make sure that i'm okay to do things like this and do the shows that i that i work on and like it's good to have a good like ray of hope and i'm excited about today's show uh, after doing some research about our guest emily hope price like george said we're not gonna really go into it um you know that's not that's not really what we do here but uh Yes, of course, uh, we are referencing the murder of Dante Wright, another black man killed by the police. That is the country that we live in. I would just I would just beg everyone to look to to read about police abolition. Um, read your Miriam Kaba, read your Kiangel Yamada Taylor and all these great abolitionist thinkers, because there is another way. Well said. It's weighing on all of our minds, I think. And yeah, I would say just uh, do what you can to uh, to get by. Yeah, no, you, you try to take the wins where you can. So I'm in the playoffs in my bowling league. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that, there you go. I've been thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. That brought a smile to my face. I'm in the playoffs of my bowling league. And everybody talks about the playoffs is a different, different beast. And playoff <laughs> G is going to find out this Monday. <laughs> uh, do they talk about that in the NBA or do they talk about that in like <laughs> in your, in your, in all sports or like the playoffs guys, <laughs> just so you know, you got to be ready for the playoffs. And you, this is why you play the game. You get in there so you can get into the postseason. So I'm excited about being in the playoffs for uh for my <laughs> for my bowling league. Anyway, amazing. I'm the I'm the fourth ranked bowler in the, in the league, which is uh dude, that's like it's not bad. Fourth out of how many? Out of like uh, I think it's like 38, 39, something like that. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Like I told somebody the reason why I'm that I've become good at bowling is because like when you're petty. And you've got anger bubbling under, <laughs> underneath, like just below the surface. 
you got to take it out on something. And I just take it out on pens. So <laughs> are you telling me to uh, start bowling? More? Yes, if you if you like, uh, I, <laughs> I hide it better than you do. You like, you're angry. I'm like, everything will be fine, and then I'm slowly having a meltdown. It's like you know when you like shake up a soda and you just don't open it. I'm not. You're, I'm, the, I'm the unopened soda. <laughs> yeah, I open it right away. Yeah, fair, fair enough. That's pretty good. Yeah. So like, uh, no, I'm in the bowling league. So Monday playoff G is a thing amazing we we all wish you uh continued success and uh keep climbing up those ranks and and carry your team to that championship hey let me tell you something <laughs> i'm driven by spite so if i find a reason to hate the other team then it's it's on yeah <laughs> i understand that completely yeah no it's it's it's, it's on once i find it. if i if i find a motivation just give me a reason yeah, yeah, just give me, just give it a reason to be. Yeah, just get that chalkboard up <laughs> and pin those quotes up there. Yeah, they said I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. What's crazy is like all the stuff that I'm petty over are things that most people would be like, "Yeah, that's not that big a deal." It's like, did you see how that guy picked up the ball? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so I, it's something I probably need to get into with therapy. We're not going to do that on this episode. <laughs> Maybe a little further down the line. <laughs> Let's go ahead and open this bar, Dave. All right. What do we got on tap today, George? Today, we're going to be talking about the Hank Azari apology and thoughts on that. And our two favorite competition shows. One is beginning. The other one is ending. Dave, let's talk about the, the apology first. Once you get in that for us, because uh, you are a Simpson fan. I am not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was as a kid. When you say I'm a Simpsons fan or you are not because you are like a, a crazy anomaly in this country in that you have never seen a single episode of The Simpsons. No, nah, man. For some reason, it's, it's a hole in like my TV watching. It would be like if I have never heard of Radiohead, like if I had never listened to a single Radiohead record. Yeah. And and I find it so surprising just because you are such like a consumer of, of content. content. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. But full disclosure, I haven't watched The Simpsons in 15 fucking years or whatever. I definitely did have it in in my childhood. And, you know, so what we're talking about is Hank Azaria came out and he apologized for his many years of playing the character of Apu. And, uh, you know, we'll just say it, but you should all watch Friend of the Pod, Hari Kondabolu's great doc the problem with apu and uh the problem is racism (laughs) it's it's racist and not only is it he was profiting off of it for many years and so he's come and he's apologized and he says he needs to formally apologize to every indian person in the country that's fine it's good that he's contrite and uh you know they stopped doing apu and that's great. And they tried to address it. Even Hari talks about it in, in his movie, which is on HBO Max. But I think that Hari would probably agree that like it would have been better for him if, if Hank Azaria did this in his movie years ago, which he asked him to do. And it's also like for my fellow white people that are listening, it's not just become wrong. You know what I mean? It's always mm-hmm. been wrong. And like we just weren't listening to the right people. I think the big thing is profiting off of it. You know, again, fellow, the white people that are listening to me right now, we're going to make mistakes. Like I'm going to make mistakes. The thing is that it's uh, one thing for people to do, to do something offensive in a private conversation and then understand why it was a problem and apologize. And it's another thing to profit off something for 20 years. 
you know, so like you, you kind of have, I think it's important to make those distinctions, but yeah, let's move past all the stereotypical bullshit Mm -hmm. that we like think is funny, you know? I think because I'm not a Simpsons fan and I, I just kind of know the story perfectly from the fact that I'm friends with Hari and, and I've seen this movie. I think it also, for me, as somebody who works on projects and likes being in writer's rooms, it helps to have diverse writer's rooms. And I'm hoping that's a, the thing that comes out of that. Because had there been a, maybe a, a diverse writer's room, they would have been like, hey, maybe you shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't do that. Or maybe we should do it differently. Or maybe have somebody of that descent voice that character or whatever it's just one of those things that's what you hope that the things that come out of it is things in which like we include different kinds of people people from different walks of life in places where we create content because without that we're obviously going to fall in that trap every every time totally and it's easy to see how he points it out so beautifully in, in his movie is that nobody thought it was wrong because it was a fucking room of white men it was r- room of dudes yeah room of white straight cis men that's the problem you know, like, because, yeah, of course, they didn't understand how it equates to violence and how it is oppressive. Mm-hmm. And and myself as a kid, like watching it, I didn't understand that either. You know, so it's it's on all of us, all of us white people to educate ourselves. I'm interested to see what Hari, I don't think he's commented on it yet. So I'm, I'm interested to see what he says about it. He'd probably go, I can hear his voice now. It's like five years too late, motherfucker. Um, uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. His movie would have been like, his movie's like 57 minutes and it probably would have been like an hour and a half yeah, yeah. and gotten like a lot more success if he would have fucking been in it. Where were you? Oh, now we're at the table. Um, yeah. And like he knew it, Azaria is on record. Like he knew it's, he's known it's been wrong for years. Yeah. Okay. Just do better. We have to do better, you know? And he owed, like, my point is, like, he made a shit ton of money. So, like, he owes more than just, like, an apology. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But anyway, what what do we got next? What's next on tap, George? So, you know, I figure it's because these are a few things are the same. We're going to put them together almost like a like a black and tan, like a Guinness and Bass <laughs> or a snake bite. Nice. Shout out to my buddy Sean Donnelly. I remember going to a bar and I was like, I want a snake bite. And I was like, what the fuck is a snake bite? <laughs> <laughs> Is it half, I think it's half cider, half Guinness snake bite. Yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, Ugh. it's half cider, half dark beer. I had somebody order that once and I was like, what? <laughs> and yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, it's uh, apparently it's very good. So we're going to do the last two things together, like those two drinks. First, let's start with the challenge. We are at the very end of the challenge. We've got our teams. We've got what's going on. And I didn't think that last night's episode is going to be two, a two-parter, which kind of bums me out because I want them to wrap this thing up because I... I want to see Leroy win it, but it's a two-parter. Dave, I'm assuming you watched last night's episode. Watch it this morning. <laughs> Watch it this morning. And the team of Fessy and Casey, who everybody thought was going to be unstoppable. Unfortunately, it looks like they might be the odd team out. Yeah. Which serves them right, because Fessy is a full heel, and heels got to get their comeuppance, and he got his last night. Totally. I'm interested in your perspective as a, like a, you're a new watcher. This is like your first season. new watcher. Yes. And so Hillary and I have watched all of it, like, and a lot of it during quarantine and stuff. And so like, I knew that Fessy and Casey were not going to win. I knew that. Okay. Because the finals, it's usually a two-parter. And like when there's four teams, they usually cut one right off the bat. And the thing about the final is you could be strong. You can like run and stuff, but it never comes down to that. It comes down to puzzles and eating gross shit. And traditionally the big, like burly competitors, they don't accept CT, mm-hmm. but they don't usually do well in that stuff. And, uh, 
you know, Fessy, he just comes across like a punk, man. Like I, this is his second season and his first season was, was last year at, or a couple years ago. Baylor and I both liked him on the first season. Cause he was kind of quiet. He came in. Usually rookies are like targeted because it's like an easy decision. You have to nominate someone to go into the elimination, but he's like a bigger dude. So they were kind of like scared of him. This season he's coming across extremely fucking arrogant. Mm-hmm. He's a terrible partner. Nobody wants to work with him. Even the person that he liked, like he pushed her to the fucking brink unnecessarily. And also that's the other thing about the final is like, it's a merit like i think ct even said it or leroy it's a marathon not a sprint Mm -hmm. as far as like the winner and stuff uh i will tell you one thing that i believe for sure and there's a lot of corroboration if you just watch all the seasons but also if you look on the internet uh it's all rigged (laughs) it's all rigged uh yes it's a tv because fessy is a he's like a great heel as far as like wrestling heel goes wrestling bad guy but you all see he's also good for television storylines so of course the guy played football in division one football of course the game that they have him like to go against somebody is all brawl like <laughs> it was rigged for him to win it a hundred percent and there's this misnomer that like hall brawl is part of like so many of them and like i looked at the stats and it's actually in a very small percentage of that's the challenge really yeah because like the previous season it's widely thought and i also read a very convincing uh thread on twitter <laughs> about uh the previous season being completely rigged for uh Johnny Bananas, who's a fucking douchebag, um, and like a total fucking creep. And if you go back and watch the earlier seasons, like there's a lot of gross shit going on. But but it's that. But it's a TV show, you know. And and uh, yeah, it's about the storylines and like you know that's mm-hmm. what sells. And and I I think and and Leroy has been wronged in the past. Uh, so I'm hoping that like even though it, it it I do think it's rigged. Like I'm hoping they just gave it to him because he deserves it and he's awesome and. We love Leroy. He's he's great. I'm I'm rooting for the people who are, I think are great in interviews, and I think Leroy and CT are great in interviews. It shows you how old I am and how old CT is. Yeah. I remember when CT was on the Real World. Me too. That's how old I am. It's like that's how old he is. Paris. Yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. So it's like I'm yeah. like, dude. Yeah, I remember. It's like, aren't you married with children? Why are you still doing this? He's like one of those guys that like he's almost as bad as like all the alpha douchebags, but he's like the best of the alpha douchebags, and like he's really funny. Um, and like Hillary's like, I really don't want him to win, but I'm kind of like, like he entertains me, so like I wouldn't be. He's the, entertaining, so wouldn't be like the worst thing in the world. So right now, who's your leader in the clubhouse? It's got to be Leroy, man. It's got to be Leroy. Yeah, I think Leroy, I think they're going to do it. And also like the storyline between him and Nani, like they've been in it together. They've played together for many years. They're friends. And each one of them has kind of been like uh, relegated to like a backup singer of like somebody else's band. And they've gotten their own storylines and they, they like they came back together. And the thing the the rigging too that I was talking about that you can see if you just watch all the, the seasons, they arbitrarily change the rules and like decide and they 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 say like, oh, it's a new season. We're gonna do it different. We're gonna surprise. It's like, no, they do it to benefit certain competitors <laughs> and disadvantage certain other ones. But uh it's a good TV show. It's uh it is. We'll find out next week. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're at the end of the challenge and we're at the beginning of the of Top Chef and uh how much do you love Avishar and Shoda? I mean, just the two of the, I love them. Love, love, love them. They're my two favorites right now because they're like these, uh, like one guy was like a molecular biologist or he studied that in college. So, so he's doing all those interesting things on the show. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I had a, I had a group that I like and those two 
him and Shota are my two, two favorites. They're two of my favorites in the history of the show. Like, I really, really want them to win. And the way they, they're like, the way they curse, like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, I, I also, I like both of them. I, I, I definitely love Shota. Like, we've seen him on a, on another cooking show i i feel like i was like next iron chef or some shit like i thought he looked familiar he's awesome and he seems like a super cool dude yeah and he's cooking awesome food i've i've really been been enjoying the first couple episodes uh talking about all the stuff that the restaurant industry is going through and like addressing that stuff which like a lot of reality shows aren't addressing like the pandemic in like the best way uh one of my favorite person people ever on top chef is back as a judge and that's gregory and i i love that but before we end this i want to hear uh some thoughts from you because there there i know there's at least one of the judges uh that they've brought in that you you are not uh, particularly feeling so why don't you uh share that i agree with you for the record richard blaze i feel like he's the show is the contestants and not the judges and he's just he's just coming in hot and i don't like that it's it's kind of like he's you're it's like you're not even on the team you're not even on the bench it'd be like if somebody in the stands who was like yelling and then like was like uh hey you think you're so good why don't you come and do this and they like they let him play the basketball game no nobody does that he just he's really fucking annoying and i don't like that i think that's bad tv he thinks he's great, and I'm annoyed by that. So, Richard, if you ever hear this, just go back to the you're the judge. Just take it easy. You're at like a nine. You need to be at like a three. Eat the food and shut up. He's been on like these cooking shows for so long that he's gone full caricature. He's a cartoon now. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's like, are you a real person? Like he was. He was the first yeah. like couple times he was on, but now he's just like yeah, a cartoon character, and it's not pleasant. <laughs> No. All right. Well, uh, I think uh, that'll do it for Bar Talk. And now we're going to go sit down with our guest, Emily Hope Price, and talk cello. And George is going to share some some super fandom with her. And uh, (laughs) we're going to play our game where we compare films with aliens in them to games you find at arcades. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So enjoy. Hello, gorgeous. How are you? Hi. Hi, everyone. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having. Thank you for rescheduling for this time. Of course. Thank you for being here. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. EHP, this is uh, Dave Kleinman and George Gordon, the lovely hosts of Know Your Rules podcast. Hey, seriously, thank you for being on our show. We're, uh, we're stoked to have you. Thank you. Thank you for asking me to be here. How do uh, you and Mary Bess know each other? Well, we, we know each other. We met through some mutual friends a few years ago yeah. and started doing like board game nights at our friend Bill's house and eating lots of noodles. And it just all went from there. <laughs> How do you know Mary Bess? I know her through George because he was like, hey, I think I have someone who wants to produce our podcast. And I was like, they're my best friend. Great. <laughs> and then we met and she's great. Yeah, George and I work on Hoff's Horror Fest together. So that's how George and I met. Yes! Hoff's Horror Fest, that's good. That's a good show. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was challenging to do, especially in COVID time, you know? Mm-hmm. This is true. Uh, as many, we have had to adapt. But uh, but luckily, this is a medium that exists in the sphere, the virtual sphere anyway. So we're just, yeah. you know, we're trying to run with it. 
Yeah, well, that's a good place uh, to just jump right in if you're you're ready. You know, we know that you were touring before this uh, Europe with Kishibashi. Can you just talk about uh, how you went from that to the pandemic and how you transitioned to that and everything? Funny enough, so I do. You, I remember dates. March twelfth was the day. You're both in New York, yeah. We are, yeah. Okay. March twelfth was the day that everything got like they they pulled the emergency handle on the train. And actually, I was in a van with Lady Lamb, who is a wonderful artist from uh, Maine, but living in New York. And she, we were in a van together, driving to go on a two week city winery tour. And we had left that morning from Queens to go to Philadelphia, and we were had reached. Probably we were an hour and a half into the drive, heading to the first date was in I believe, oh I want to say Greensboro, but it could have been Atlanta. I think the first date was in Atlanta. We were heading to Greensboro, and an hour and a half into the drive, she gets a call from her manager saying it's everything's gone, it's canceled, turn around, and we turned around, and it was, it was so overwhelming because it was. It, it was surreal. And I remember getting home and I had my cello on my back and I had my suitcases planning for a two week trip. And, you know, it's the thing that I do all the time. And I was standing at the bottom of the stairs to my apartment and my housemate was standing at the top of the stairs. And I just started crying when I saw her face. It was just so surreal, you know, when everything's just stopped and freezes. So that's where I was. Actually, I was heading out on tour the day that happened. So the, the European tour was was before that. The European tour was November, the end of November into the middle of December. It was about a month long one. It was magical and wonderful. And there was no indication for, for us that anything, it was just the furthest that we weren't hearing anything, listening to anything. I mean, we went all over France, um, Germany, uh, Switzerland, like nothing. Like it was a regular European tour, wonderful, magical. And even into the end of February, I mean, I was gigging around the, the East Coast at the end of February. Nothing. Like, it just wasn't even there. Yeah, I mean, uh, George and I are both bartenders, and I worked pretty much right up until, like, the day that they shut everything down. And we thought it was going to be, like, a couple weeks and yeah. going to be back. And here we are. I just went back a year, year plus later, you know. So what have you been doing during this period as far as how have you been you know doing your music and and, uh you keeping uh creative projects uh going well it's a good question i have to remember because it feels pretty surreal and you know i found that human beings are pretty adaptable both positively and negatively Mm -hmm. you can adapt to a lot of things and so uh in the beginning it, it musicians were at least in my circle were a little bit like okay you know like this is weird kind of like you were you know experiencing bartending and we were like okay well i guess if we're going to be here let's try and do this online a little bit i mean this is an old reference but it's like a postal service it right like over the internet sending each other tracks we would try to sync into video and pretty quickly i learned that it was now my job to not only not only perform, learn it, perform it, record it, be the recording engineer for my work, which I had been doing anyway. But now I've got to be the videographer for it. I've got to know. Now I have to do film, 
and sync it and like I have to learn these programs. So it became <laughs> pretty it was pretty there have been some frustrating nights all night going, ah, oh, why I can't sync this. And anyway. But so that that was at the beginning. Uh but like um, March like March into April. And then um yeah, and so there were some exchanges like that with and there were even some I had online gigs. There was a few like that. Um, there was a really interesting project I got involved in. It was a weekly project where kind of the top, like a toss of the hat, um, you, you got paired up with a group of musicians. You got given a band name. You got given a day of the week. And uh, you started, so like the bassist would start something, be a minute long. And then they would pass it on to somebody on Tuesday, maybe the guitarist, and maybe I'd be on a Wednesday. And I would add, you would add parts you, as you'd go, and then you'd post them at the end of the week. Yeah, that was fun. Nothing was really making any money at the beginning. It was more just passing time. But as we kind of figured out that we were going to be here for a while, um, and funny, <laughs> funny if people were getting pandemic insurance, people were getting unemployment. And, and you couldn't go out really and spend it. I mean, I'm speaking very generally, right? But um, it turned out that over the months as it passed, people were kind of saving up and they realized, oh, I'm kind of, ha I have a little bit of a surplus doing other things and not spending that I can create the album I've wanted to do. And so, you know, people who can record at home or who had said learn how to record at home were getting gigs and being paid to record at home. So that's kind of been, I mean, I was doing that kind of stuff anyway, but it was a little bit, and I enjoy, I really love that stuff. Uh, I, I like recording from my house. I like having that kind of control. I like being the engineer. If I think something doesn't sound quite right, I like composing in a room alone. Um, I can be experimental as late as I want or as much as I want. So yeah, that's kind of how the year went a little bit. And I, you know, and I was helping out friends with kids like oh you need me to come you know just for something nice to do and to get out of the house a little bit and be safe and wear masks and anyway that's kind of we had a uh, we had blake schwarzenbach from jawbreaker a couple months ago and before we folks were getting vaccinations and double vaccinations and he was talking about being on the road like i guess a year from now are you itching to sort of get back out there and start doing that whole thing again or are you kind of cool with where where you're at right now what's like what you've been doing this past year that's a good question because i've been thinking about this a lot and actually lady lamb has had to reschedule her tour and so she there's some kind of dates up in the up in the air for the later this fall trying to confirm that and seeing you know are we really going back on tour um Again, like humans really know how to adapt. And, and I, you know, and I get to the point where I'm like, ah, oh, it's so nice. I can, I'm your lid in my studio right now. So I can turn, I'm looking at my mics. Kind of, I'm an introvert who, who has learned a certain skill of, of extrovert. And I'm okay right now. And I think the pandemic, and for a lot of people I've talked to as well, kind of um, revealed a lot of. Uh, inner ang social anxiety that had previous you know you get to practice <laughs> hiding <laughs> and i think you know, you're in your house and it's like i feel cocooned i feel so cocooned and now it's like uh and i've gotten a, i have a i have a wedding on saturday so the normal people are starting to come back 
because people are like, all right, we've postponed our wedding for an entire year. Those might come back. And I'm already feeling like, ah, I don't want to haul anything anywhere. And I still feel a little bit, you know what I mean? Like we've been learning how to be like this for so long and protect our families, protect our friends and ourselves. And it, this, you know. So I, I think, you know, when it comes to touring, there are things I love about it. And there are things that my body now go, I don't want to have to pick anything up and like be in a van all day. And, you know, I mean, things that normally are a little irritating, you know, like, uh, but you just kind of dismiss them. Yeah. Because you're just present. You're just, I'm in a van. I'm going to go play a show and the show makes kind of makes up for this discomfort or like inconvenience. Mm -hmm. It's all part of it. Yeah, it's part of the job. I mean, no job is like, ah, sweet, you know, yeah. no job is like that. But, you know, it, having seen like this other side of a self-employment coin of being able to go, I can create a whole world from like a corner of my room, you know. Again, like I could probably be fine. Like you ask me that in a year and I'll be like, okay, no, 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 it was good. I just got back from four, <laughs> you know, I <laughs> I'm pretty ad- I'm pretty adaptable. It just it, it takes me a minute to go, all right, just get out the door. Just go, you know. One of the things that we were talking about in our episode, things each one of us are doing for self-care and how we're able to cope. What have you been doing to sort of taking care of yourself? Care? You know, I I'm riding my bike. I love riding my bike. I have a I got a single speed a, a little over a year ago. So right when I got back, that tour was canceled. I thought, I don't want to get on the train. And I had gotten, I had been riding my bike since I moved to New York in 2007. I'd been riding my bike, you know, a casual bike rider. 2013, I got into, I got doored by a car. I just couldn't get back on. I got had knee surgery because of it. I couldn't get back on my bike for five years. And a year ago, I was like, you know, this is it. I'm doing it. And I got back on my bike. And now I ride every day. I don't get on the train. I've been on the train probably four times the entire pandemic. I write, I rode through the winter. I ride five days a week. Wow. It's so, I mean, at least five days a week. And I like having a destination. I like having something to do. I, it gets me out of the house. I think that, and it gave me exercise. It gave me, I mean, I can focus. I have a hard time. I go into fantasy land a lot and drive, uh, riding my bike. I'm like, I gotta focus. I don't get by a car. Okay, here we go. <laughs> you know, I think that, that really saved me emotionally mentally it's really wonderful and movies i watch movies all the time i love them i love movie music i just want to be in a movie all the time i could watch a movie all the time i don't know how to make it my job just to watch movies but i don't know george and i are still trying to figure that out (laughs) (laughs) i would love that but i wonder if we would hate movies would we even hate we come to hate them if we made it our jobs i mean probably not Uh, maybe maybe but like it would afford you the life like a good life like a nice life i could i could watch all the movies from my house you know what i mean yeah, i'm not going to the <laughs> theater you know what i mean like going to the angelica in the middle of the day because i mean be a freelancer i can do whatever i want mm-hmm. hearing the f f train go oh, by yes <laughs> i'm being real I, I i like that too yeah it's the yeah. best <laughs> And going to the IMAX, oh, uh, going to that, the what's the cinema on 12th and 2nd Avenue? 
it was uh, like city village village east or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. You like amazing theater. Oh, I saw I saw two thousand one space space Odyssey to see two thousand one. Nuts! It was the it was the finest cinematic experience in my life. Awesome, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm currently about to jump out of my skin uh, right now. I'm going to admit something kind of nerdy. Um, so uh, whenever Dave and I have a guest and producer Mary Bus, uh, we, we do our ton of research about the people we have on. And uh, I did a bunch of research uh, on you through your, your website and, yeah. and uh, Bandcamp and stuff that, like that. And uh, apparently I saw you uh, with your old band in 2010. Uh, and I liked y'all so much that I emailed uh, a bunch of my friends. It was October 19th, 2010 at CMJ. I saw Pearl in the Beard. And, uh, and I, to- I told a bunch of my friends to check you guys out. And uh, so when you were uh, when I saw that you were <laughs> who you were and you were in that band, I was like freaking out. I was like, I know that. I love that band. I bought I bought y'all, bought some merch from y'all. And- yes. <laughs> yeah, so <I'm> like- <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Great. I- yeah. No, I'm so I'm like I'm like tickled pink that you're on the, our podcast because I was. Oh, that that feels great. Wait, do you remember what show you saw? So there's uh, there's a picture on your website that was from the uh, Spike Hill. And I think I saw you guys. You say it's played three times that week, I believe. I think I saw y'all twice. One of them was either that show or the Delancey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I look over and like Franz Nicolay is in the audience from the whole set. And I was like, what the fuck? That's crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh and like uh cmj was like such a cool thing for me to go to because like i saw bands like uh dark 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 like that <gasps> following we- that weekend and saw franz nicolay i saw uh french remember french horn rebellion the first time i saw them was that that same week and uh dale earnhardt jr jr yes! that's what they were called then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh i haven't heard these names forever yes yeah. cmj never disappointed with oh, like no. great band names yeah. <laughs> that you see at like three in the morning and some yeah it was it was an unbelievable time i think i've been in new york for 15 years but like like uh i've that the the first like few years of of being here was that whole week of seeing cmj so i saw you and your band i had this i i loved y'all i thought y'all was so amazing oh, wow and 2010 was like yeah we yeah we were yeah we felt good it was right before we toured like 200 and million Mm-hmm. Year, right? But there was a year, I think it was the year before that. I think 2011, we were like, uh, <laughs> we've joined this a lot story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That is so fun. Thank you for telling me that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It, it's, uh, I, I wish I still had that shirt, but that was uh, 11 years ago and 40 more pounds. But I, I, <laughs> you know what shirt you had? We, we had so many. We had, there was one that was like, I guess it was written like, uh, Pearl in the Beard. It was written like a circle that, like, uh, I think I'd like it. I think it was like sticks yep. or bones. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had that I had that shirt. Yeah, October 19th, 2010, I saw y'all. Oh, you remember this? Oh, great. Oh, no, no, I looked okay, it up. I looked it up in like a in like a Gmail search. You got the receipts. <laughs> and apparently I told all of my friends and then my buddy said, "Hey, they're playing in Nashville. I think I'm going to go." And then like uh May 2011, I was like, "Hey, remember that band you told me about? They're opening for a band I like at the Barrier Ballroom. Do you want to go?" And like there was us all there, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is incredible." But yeah, no. Uh, but uh, and and the reason why the date was there because like my friend was like Dark 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 was playing, yeah, that yeah. weekend. It was playing the same weekend and Dark 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 was amazing. I also ended up bartending at Coco like years later. Yeah, so. do you do you know Jeremy? He was bartending at Coco when we right. It was probably maybe before you started working there. I, think. 
I started working there probably like 10, uh, it's about nine years ago that I worked there, nine or 10 years ago. Before that, he, he worked there kind of before we, or right when we started. Yeah, yeah, go, go, yes. One of our first gigs was in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is, oh, memories. Oh, this is weird. Yeah, absolutely. Coming back. So wow. I'm, I'm glad I got to share that with you. So I, I'm I'm gonna go pass out. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's so fun. Oh man, that's great. Um, but just to talk about your your music a bit, uh, I think uh, cello as an instrument, I think that's like a strong choice. You know, can you share like what drew you to cello and how how you kind of got into that and made made that your thing can i ask you what you mean by strong choice i i'm assuming that you chose that at a young age yeah and and like it's really easy to be like i want to play guitar you know what i mean it's like oh, that's, what that's that's like a thing that people do but like you had to know oh, oh, like what was it about cello okay. that you were like oh cello well i certainly never thought you know what i want to do move to new york and not play classical music. Like I, it was, I didn't even know it was an option to be, you know, you, you, you bring up bands like dark, dark, dark and like soft black and like Elizabeth Devlin mm -hmm. and the people who were really brought up in the, in the latch era of sidewalk cafe. I don't know if any of these names mean anything. Oh, they do. But, and sidewalk yeah. means, Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I ran a show there. Yeah. No, I, no. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Oh man. I'm having a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truly like, I never thought that I would, that that was just, I didn't even know it was an option. And when I, so I started playing the cello when I was in fourth grade and it was about, I was young for my grade. So I was, I was about eight, I think you're about eight in fourth grade. And I remember they, the, the orchestra, I, mean, I grew up in Utah, Northern Utah, and the string programs in Northern Utah were so wonderful and well-funded and they were prioritized at the time. And I think they still, I think they still are. I mean, there's amazing orchestra there at Utah State University. And so I, the teacher came in, the orchestra teacher, and she gave us a piece of paper. And there were, I remember, I can remember, I can see it. it. It said, it just had in a little, in the middle, like bullets in the middle of the paper. And this was, I was young, violin, viola, cello, bass. And I think it may have even said this on the paper in parentheses, cello gets to sit. And I, I was like, okay, well, the bass is clearly too big. And the viola, who wants to play the viola? And the violin is so screechy and dumb. And <laughs> so I was like, clearly I need to sit down for this. So I just started playing and it came really naturally to me. And I, I never practiced. And I really, I started on the piano when I was young, a little bit younger than that. And I hated every moment of it. And I never wanted to practice. And it was hard. It was, it was this, you know, and there was something about this, this, there was something about this being more of my body was involved. I don't know. I don't know what it was about it. So I just kept playing and playing because it just was easy and who doesn't like things that are easy for them <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, just, I just kept with it and um easy in the sense that was like I I was happy you know what I mean I there was no you know I wasn't crying over the piano keys so I I got to uh, undergrad and 
went through that. I just spent classically. I had no plans. I just kept going thinking, I don't know what I want to do. I don't really like orchestra, but I, but you knew if, if you're not a soloist, you kind of get groomed for orchestral playing. So it's really, those are the jobs or, or a professorship or a teacher, a lot of the teacher education experience. So, and then I got, went to, I kept going. I went to grad school and I was like, I'm still playing classically. <laughs> okay. And it was while I was in grad school that I met a singer-songwriter named Anna Vogelzang, an amazing singer-songwriter, lives currently in Chicago. Um, she heard me practice improvising. And I had been improvising. I took jazz improv in undergrad, and I had just been doing, like, secret non-classical things, not really thinking anything about it. And she came in and she said, my name's Anna. I can hear that you are not playing classically. I can hear that you're writing your own music. Do you want to collaborate with me? And she was a singer-songwriter opera grad. And I was like, you're nuts. <laughs> so, but I tried it. And we wrote these songs together. I wasn't singing at the time. but And I, and I graduated with my master's degree. And I moved back to Utah. And I thought, well, I have this repertoire where I'm not singing, but I know the cello parts. And it was just cello and voice. And so I started going, well, I'll just go to open mics. So in that, it was in that moment of... Like, what do I do with my life? I have a, I have a master's degree in cello performance and I don't want to play in, in an orchestra. And I, so I just was, you know, it's that point in like my mid twenties where I'm lost, you know, I think, I think a lot of people are, I'm still lost. <laughs> so, you know, you just try things. And so I just started learning how to sing and play at the same time and, and actually composing things and practicing what composition is and songwriting and then really falling in love with with um truly falling in love with movie music like really listening for the first time about how a communication of a scene is done introducing i mean i, I have been i had grown up with the movie music like um John Barry was one of my favorite uh composers he was just so the cello parts were just rolling and melodic and um and I listen to a lot of musicals and soundtracks with my dad is a fan my my mom and my dad are big fans of like soundtracks and like a compilation vinyl and I just had been exposed to that a lot a lot of different different like and I was a radio listener I wasn't an album listener like I just wanted like different things all the time I wanted to be you know inspired and distracted by different sounds so I'm here. I am like just experimenting after I have two degrees and I thought, okay, I think I'm just going to move to New York and get a, you know, that's kind of, that feels right. It felt right. And I got an artist diploma at SUNY purchase and the teacher there, I was going to do a two year diploma and the teacher there was like, you got to stop this. They'll be dumb. <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> it's like, why are you playing gospel music? So then I, then I played my first open mic at sidewalk cafe. And and la and actually, it was it had hit eleven. So at eleven o'clock, you can only do one song. You got four minutes. And I was like, and I just made it under the eleven o'clock time, and I got to play one song, and I did an arrangement of um, Nature Boy, the Nat King, based off of the Nat King Cole version. And he's like, "Hey, do you want a show?" And I got, and I I don't feel I didn't feel like I had enough repertoire to like carry through a thirty minute show in New York City. But I, you, that, that's when I learned you just say yes mm -hmm. and figure it out later. <laughs> so, so that's what I did. And then I, and I met people in that, that same night, my, the band Jeremy and Jocelyn were a band already. They were Pearl and the Beard already. 
and they heard me play and they were like, we don't know how we want you in our band, but we do and we'll figure it out. And so I said, yes. I mean, it's like, it's truly like it's, and even I'm telling you this, oh, I'm realizing, oh, it's a series of yeses, you know? So that's how I went. That's how I'm here now talking to you about my music. Awesome. (laughs) Basically long story, but I think your work is great. I think I, it, it's interesting. That was a question I had for you about uh, the film scores, because even just in general, I just, even when you do covers, I think it's very cinematic, you know, it, it lends itself to that really well. It's all very like atmospheric. It's so important to me. And I, and there are days where I think, I mean, uh, what's that? Uh, oh, imposter syndrome. So I can't even think of the word. <laughs> Like there's a lot of imposter syndrome going around where I'm, where I'm thinking, oh, I'm just a one trick pony, but really, but, but I, but I just, you know, you get lost in these mm-hmm. sounds of just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's something that, I mean, there's a reason why sound, sound expresses so much more than I can sit here and explain to you. I'm just like, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Even in a cover, even in a cover. Yeah, your uh, your cover of uh, of Billy Jean was, was melting my face about an hour ago. It was really really good. Oh yeah, where are you hearing that? Um, it's it's on uh, it was on your I guess it's on uh, some of the things that I found is like you yeah. snapping your fingers. It's, it's... Yeah, yeah, I did that for Puppet Playlist. I don't mm-hmm. know, have you heard of that Puppet Playlist? They do they alternate between like hi <laughs> they alternate between puppets uh, doing cover songs doing doing something than uh, musicians doing cover songs i did i'm sorry i i just i didn't want <laughs> i put myself on camera and i i got really excited because i got to watch you do that ehp i got to watch uh some of those puppet time shows um and they were just absolutely splendiforous and and so wonderful so fun yeah it was so it's so fun josh luxenberg put that together with john levin at, at the time this was a while ago but Really, really, and that was the thing. About, that's what's wonderful about New York, too. I just—it's the only city I ever want to live in. Mm-hmm. You can meet people who freaking hang out with puppets, you know. And they—and I'm doing one. I'm actually doing a roaming puppet performance with my friend um, uh, Spencer Lott, uh, and at the end of the summer, like August. So it's—it's just—it's magical, really. I'm glad you got to mention some of your influences. Like, um, are there any cello players that you like listen to that just sort of influence you? Like, aside from like the orchestra stuff and the movie stuff, like further down the line, I just, I'm uh, I, embarrassed to say I just discovered Arthur Russell this past year. And I'm like, oh, he amazing. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. He, he, tr- I think he, he really broke through where, I mean, I, he, I I think that's where it started for me in, yeah, yeah. When I was doing, I'm so now I'm thinking and talking at the same time. When I was an undergrad, I started taking um, jazz improv classes with the teacher there. It was a, a tenor sax player. Mm-hmm. First day of class, I had anxiety poops before every class, every single class, twice a week. I would spend like 10, 15 minutes in the bathroom <laughs> before I would go to class. The first day of class, he's, he turned like he, he just went, he goes to the, uh, to the sound system 
puts in a CD, Jamie Abersold CD, where he the guy goes one, two, a one, two, three, four, and then the whole like accompaniment CD starts. He's like, the only way you're gonna learn how to do this is just to do it. Like no instruction. Mm-hmm. He's like, we're just gonna do it. And we, you know, he he filled it in later. But I thought I was gonna, I thought I was gonna throw throw up. I was so nervous. But the he, but then part of the assignments were to transcribe solos, these famous solos, like Bird or you know Stan Getz. So I w- I started listening to all these things, and there was one bassist. His name's Oscar Pettiford, who ended up uh, uh, he he was a bassist, but he also did cello playing, and I that w- it, he's it, just the dexterity of a bassist, and then he moved over to the cello, which is much smaller for them. But he was so wonderful and so i transcribed a bunch of his um his solos too what's kind of started in jazz and improvisation through just playing over my favorite albums you know and then learning jazz and how to how to improvise with jazz by learning like the greats like Mm -hmm. how to play like them but there is a cellist named jacqueline dupre she's a famous classical cellist she's my favorite cellist um, she got she got multiple sclerosis. Unfortunately, I think she died. She was forty five. It died really young. But such a beautiful, expressive player. And the thing I loved about her was that she made mistakes, clear like clear mistakes. And but yeah, it was it, it was kind of. It, I mean, she was too busy <laughs> like working musically. You know, her she emoted so beautifully. So I was really inspired by her playing. She was so flawless, accurate. And, you know, I'm just like, oh, I'm, I did a weird thing there, but it became music, you know? Yeah. I think you, a lot of your stuff does seem to be improvisational. Cause uh, that's so, something that like yeah. you're, you feel comfortable with. Yeah. Well, if, you know, you surprise yourself and you're like, oh, this was a weird mistake, but I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make like, you know, it, I learned that early on, actually, like in fourth, fifth grade, when you're drawing on a piece of paper and then you drop the pen funny and you make the dot an eye, like an eye on the monster or you, you know what I mean? It's stuff like that. And that, that's what I find is really magical. It's, I mean, Michelangelo talked about it. I mean, not that I'm not comparative at all, but, but like the idea that you're not creating something, you're chipping away at it and to reveal it to yourself. Not that, that's, I've always loved that. Yeah, I'm. I'm like revealing what's gonna, what's already there. I'm just, I'm digging it out, and I, and that, that's what I love about improvisation. It's like, and they talk about that with writers too. Like the best way of getting in there, it's just free, 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 free. Just chip away, chip away at it. And that I find that to be a source of. That's why I like the improvisation aspect of it so much. Yeah, I get out of the judgment period. Like this is, you know, imposter syndrome. Step aside. <laughs> Well, we of course don't want to take up too much of your time as much as No, I I mean I I actually have questions for you, but I we don't need to turn this into a, a hang. It's fine. <laughs> no, we could we could totally turn this into a hang. I'm just uh it it's no, I'm I'm really we, I think the three of us will figure out. Well, we probably not know a lot more people than, like, we have like some of the same friends. It's just yeah. like, uh, like they being a writer and along with being a bartender. I'm also a comedian, so I, I'm sure we know a lot of the same people. Just 
I used to host a show at Sidewalk Cafe. So I'm sure we were like shit's passing in the night. I used to get drunk there. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like uh before the renovations? Yeah, way before the way renovations. Great. Good. We used to go into the city for like brunch there. Oh uh, yes. You know, I never really like I never ate there apart from having to eat there, you know, over there yeah. waiting. Right, all right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was okay. It was all right. They could, they could cheese sticks. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It was just like a thing that we did. And yeah. Yeah. I used to run a comedy show there like every Tuesday. So I'm sure they like, I just ran into you. Oh, sure. I, was... I mean, t- yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. What a, oh, yeah. Yeah. What a great time. Oh, I'm, I'm having being super nostalgic right now. That same feeling I can go back there. So different yeah. now. It's so it was that was before. I mean, Pearl and the Beard, we were burning our CDs in our computer, in our laptops. Mm-hmm. All of our merch was burned, or we we made um linoleum cuts and printed our own shirts. Merch. I mean, we did hats, we went to a thrift store and bought and we sold merch like that. I mean, not that people don't do that now, they do that now, but like they're not burning CDs on their computer. Maybe they are. Do people do that? I don't know. No, they're just digital code i don't think so i think i think cassettes are making like a master Um, i saw a poster for st vincent who's doing eight tracks what (laughs) okay her new album is selling on eight tracks you can't convince me that those sound good like (laughs) but you know there's always going to be uh a market for every outdated technology for for like a very specific part of the bob you know these are the best. These are all CDs are always the best. Like, no, they're not. The, I mean, I know I've seen them in cars. Yeah. I've seen eight track players yeah. in cars. Are there actually players sitting in someone's house? I mean, it's you got to go for it. You know, that's like, that's your, you're the eight track guy. <laughs> yeah, <dude. laughs> that's, that's a something. I, I, these guys know that I found a cassette player on the street. Does it work? Oh yeah, not only does it work, I've like uh I put a little money in it, I got a little refurbished, but it's it's amazing. So like I now like buy cassettes like crazy. Yeah, George is the cassette guy now. <laughs> I'm the cassette guy. I can't tell you, I was up late. I would be I would stay up late. I I had like the this radio station, the alternative radio station was called X96 in it was coming from Salt Lake. And I would stay up all night and i would just when a song would come on that i wanted i would put in my cassette tape and i would just be ready with record just so i could get it on my mix i have a mm-hmm. whole radio mixed cassette tape i did mix tape i mean i still have some of my mixtapes still have them i i mean you have to be a master it is an art form a good mix if, if you still have some of your mixtapes send them over yeah, I, I, to- I, oh, I, I would be you think I'm excited about you being on the podcast now? It was like, guess where I got this tape from? <laughs> great. So I had a little like brown uh, Fisher Price tape player, and it came with a tape uh, that that told you how to. Mary Beth is hurting. It came with a tape that told you how to make sound, so you can make your own radio show. And then the whole one one side was just like they did it like a radio announcer, and then the other side was blank, so that you could practice. My mom would record her reading to me, and she would, I heard my voice when I was very very little. So I just grew up recording on tape. That, that like hiss, like the texture that you get with a tape that you can't get with anything else. Oh, I love that you have a tape player. <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna. I actually might even now. Hear me out. I mean, if I have. I think there's 
four tapes that my crush from high school gave me, mixtapes. He would make these mixtapes for me. I brought them here. I still have them. They're very precious to me because unrequited love to the max. Like he just kept giving me tapes. And I'm like, why are you giving me these tapes? I'm in love with you. I'm like a sophomore in high school. Stop making me these tapes. If you don't want me to like you. And he didn't. He made four of them for me. I'm going to give you one. <laughs> That's I'm going to offer you one of these but- mixtapes. Please do. That, I carry so much weight. For, I mean, I think it's time that I unload it. The fact that you still have it. I mean, like, no, I would love that. Well, we'll talk after the yeah, show. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll make this happen. Great. Do you live in Brooklyn? I live in Brooklyn. I live, so we'll, yeah, I live in Brooklyn. Okay, we'll, we'll figure this out. Great. I was just going to say, like, we're we're all going to have to have a hang yeah. where, like, like, Em brings some of her cassettes over to George's <laughs> and we play them. <laughs> And just like talk through talk through her high school crush experience because oh my goodness oh absolutely I love that help me process get me to process through it yeah George already has some of my uh, my tapes uh, I got a box out of my house when he got a tape player <laughs> so it worked out for everybody right yeah. does it flip sides automatically no it's, so it's from seventy nine. So the person who put it on the street, I think they were just doing like a like a home perch. It was like, I can't have this anymore. Honestly, with the exception of these stupid stickers that are on it, it was in perfect condition. So I took it to a took it to a place to get it like refurbished. And like the guy at the store was like, for something that's 40 years old, this like you can't get it in a better shape than oh, this. That's great. So what, is it is it Sony? It's an Akai. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's it's the only, the only thing is it's like freakishly heavy. It's like a, it's like holy crap! <laughs> I think a car home when I when I found it on the yeah. street. I was like, I can't walk with this. this is yeah. insane. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, it it works well. So, so I've got like some tapes. Bought some tapes today. <laughs> the tape holder, little slot tape. I'm, I'm debating whether or not I'm going to do that because like I've got like I've got like a, about 500 records. So I'm trying to figure out like how to sort of make it oh, look. Oh, got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was a record guy. I became the tape guy. This is this is. I mean, tapes can get unruly, you know. They can, yeah. I've already I've already dealt with that. Okay, I'm gonna give you my tape. (laughs) I can't wait for you to send it to me. (laughs) I'll get on my bike and bike it to you. I'll throw it. I would love that too. (laughs) (laughs) Who is it getting hot in here? I don't know what's happening. (laughs) Very fast. Shut it down. I feel that's a good place to sort of get to our, our game. So oh, okay. we are, we are <laughs> we're on the, the, the Noy Rules podcast. We, I, again, thank you for coming on our show. This has been a super treat for me and uh, and Dave and and, uh, and the producer Mary Bess. Uh, so each week what we do is we take two things that seem happening, nothing to do with each other, and we find ways to connect them. And this week for your episode, we're doing aliens and alien movies to arcade games. And... Um, Usually, um, uh, I go first, okay. Dave goes second, and our, our esteemed guests will, will go last. And my first uh, arcade game is uh, Papa Shot. Um, it's the little basketball game that, uh, that you see the kids play. And um, I'm, I, I didn't realize it was like how competitive oh. I was until like I played like some Papa okay. Shot. And it was like, I feel like I morph into like, 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 a, like a crazy like monster. Like honestly, like a, like a mogwai who's been wet and then like eats after... After, after, after midnight, and it becomes the gremlin. So Papa Shot for me is the gremlin yep, yep. of of alien characters because because I, I get like really intense when I play it. <laughs> so <laughs> are we allowed to challenge? Can we can I challenge this? <laughs> oh, please do. 
uh, are I mean are Mogwai's aliens? I was uh, thinking that myself too, but we we bend the rules here. Okay, so, okay, okay. So so I was hoping that people would challenge us. I actually looked it up to see if gremlins were aliens, and okay. somebody wrote a fan fiction, which I will send to the whole group about the backstory of Mogwai's to gremlins. So. Oh, <laughs> I, I need that in my life so badly because I was I too I was the third who was going to challenge be like I don't know yeah so but George welcome to the mind wow. of George Gordon when you have when you Google are gremlins aliens and then a bunch of stuff comes up <laughs> um yeah well in addition to that I can tell you uh my fiance and I, we just watched both Gremlins movies like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> uh, and there is no, def- like, like that makes sense because they're, they don't say it. They're just like, he gets them in the shop in Chinatown yeah. and yeah. like they're, they don't say where they came from. It's just a thing. It's a thing that, it's that exists. It's a monster having. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, Looking for fan fiction. Uh, all right. Uh, so yeah, we, we include every every ounce of pop culture here. Um so the game I chose is something that I think is like kind of obscure, but it's it's like a lot of different a lot of things came after it or before it that were very similar, but it's one that I just always loved in, in the arcade games. Um and it's Area 51, and it's like one of these like first person shooter games but like you're fighting zombies and stuff and and you're you're like shooting uh barrels of toxic waste <laughs> um and it's like just one of those things that i would i i just remember sticking uh sticking at that machine for about 30 minutes or so and it's it's something that it's it looks kind of simple but it's very involved and i think like i said there there there've been a lot of games that have come since that are basically the same they're all the same game and that is why as a movie it's another slightly obscure movie called sunshine which is actually directed by danny boyle who's not obscure at all did train spotting and uh slumdog millionaire and it's with killian murphy and i think it's from 2007 and it's awesome it's like a space movie where they are they have to like the sun is going to kill everyone <laughs> or something. And they have to go and like fly their ship on like a suicide mission to like blow up the sun. <laughs> but there's like a supernatural element and, and uh, things kind of like get in their way, but it's, it's really interesting. It's uh it's not the greatest movie ever. I don't know if the payoff is, is amazing. And I don't know if the payoff of area 51 is that great. Um, but uh, <laughs> I see, I see where you've gone with this. Okay. <laughs> But it's really interesting. And uh, yeah, so I just want to shout both those things out. So uh, Area 51 is the sunshine of uh, arcade games. Emily. we The first thing I thought when I was given this topic was, um, so I, this may not be technically an arcade game, but it's all, often included in arcade. At least it's at Barcade. There you go. Uh, I, I am a huge pinball fan. Love pinball. And uh, Twilight is Twilight Zone is the best pinball game. It is it tops every. I mean, the ramps are perfect. The st- you mean the story, everything you've got to hit, all the goals. It, it just is perfectly. It's an it's an orchestra. Perfectly, it's a symphonic masterpiece. That game. 
Um, I, in terms of relating it to, to, to aliens, I mean, I, I, it probably goes without saying Twilight Zone uh, and the original film, the original television show. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to draw that parallel right there because it's it's simple and soft. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot uh, lot going going on there's in both of those. There. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> okay, so my next uh, arcade game is uh, probably one of my favorite arcade games of all time. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, it's Miss Pac-Man. Miss Pac-Man, as far as an arcade game, is, is wildly entertaining. And uh, if, when I find the times that I played it like as an adult, I was like, I, this, this sense of joy that would come to me. I'm like, oh man, I forgot how great this was. And uh, the alien that I'm going to compare Miss Pac-Man to is really based on watching this movie as an adult and then hearing my friends watching this movie with their kids and watching the joy on their faces when they watch E.T. So E.T. is the Miss Pac-Man of, uh, of, of, uh, of arcade games. I've, I've had many friends tell me it was like uh, watching E.T. for the first time with their children and just watching their, it was like seeing, it was like seeing them how excited they are about the, the movie. So E.T., Miss Pac-Man. Nice. <laughs> terrifying. So terrifying. Absolutely. It's, it's aged nicely. One of the best, one of the absolute best, E.T. Um. All right. So my next one is, I kind of, I like to bend the rules as well. So uh, I went with a game that it's not technically an arcade game, but I associate like, like you were saying at barcade, like bar games and, and uh, like parlor games. So that the game I am choosing for this one is snooker snooker, which is a, uh, a British game. And the theme of kind of all of these that I'm doing is like uh, something that looks like something familiar, but isn't exactly that. And it has a little bit more going on and that's what snooker is it's like pool but it's the table is bigger and it sits lower and like the pockets are all different and you but you still it's still like cue balls and and a and a stick you know so it's still almost the same but that is why as a movie it is a movie i've talked about before on this show but a great british movie called attack the block that's basically like it's like a movie from i don't know about I want to say about 10 years ago, John Boyega is in it. Uh, and it's, it's like a monster movie. It's like a, it's almost like a Goonies, but in, but it's basically these like tough kids from this, like this British town from, I think from outside of London. And uh, they, they're the ones who help stop an alien invasion. And it's great. It's funny. It's, uh, it's kind of scary. It? And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I oh, think okay. it's 2007, but it's like, it's about, it's probably about 10 years old, um, but it's so much fun. And uh, yeah, Snooker. It's a game that we should <laughs> probably play because it seems like it's fun. There's a lot of weird fucking crazy rules and shit. 2011. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's recent. 2011. Oh, okay. Oh, so yeah. I was a little off, but I 10 years, 10 years. Okay. Um, Is it my turn? Yeah, and no pressure. We we tend to we write these out, but most of our guests come up with them, you know. So like there's no you're you're all good. You've been great. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I uh grew up playing basic Nintendo, like the number first Nintendo. 
And but before that, my first video game ever played was Pong. It was in my fifth grade classroom. My teacher had it was the only game on the television. It was the only thing you could do that was in class, like it was raining, was Pong. Um, in terms of what the relationship to an alien that Pong would be, it's a good question. <laughs> what is it that you like about Pong? Well, it doesn't necessarily mean that I like it. So I, I was trying. <laughs> okay. To, I was trying to think of a of an alien movie that I really hated, but I actually don't know. <laughs> I don't actually hate Pong. I, I really enjoy the simplicity of it, and that could I mean, that really kind of falls into any basic like alien plot. It's just your basic like good alien movie, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just like you're just hitting a ball back and forth. Well, the aliens are just coming down, like Independence Day. It's like a good like middle of the road action packed, you know. Will Smith saving the day. It's a good nice. deal. Like oh, I just want to toss the ball back and forth. Oh, I just want to watch Independence Day. You know? <laughs> Counts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my next one is uh, Claw Cranes. I believe we all know this this game, the, the, the game in which like you, it's like a big metal box and like the, you maneuver the crane and it drops down to, to pick up whatever stuffed animal down there. That's in like a group of stuffed animals. Uh, they're called Claw Cranes. And the reason why I bring them up is because I, w- I meant to text my sister before this podcast, if it was my father who had the meltdown, or if it was my friend's dad who had the meltdown trying to get the get the animal, it's been like another like ten bucks trying to get, do this thing, and uh, and of course it's 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 men who who do this stupid shit because women have the sense enough to like walk by and go, no, there's no way you're getting that because because it's, it's like it's a trick. There's like a mirror in the back and a, no, and like it's, it's stuff out of it. That's not just man thing. No, no, I'm not. I'm just saying it's like it's it's a, a woman would never be tricked by that 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 game because like it's usually men are like, oh, I could do it, oh, I could do it. <laughs> the ex <laughs> was like, I think it was my dad who was like, he spent like five bucks trying to get that thing, and probably eventually just broke it to pieces. Anyway, so it's, seeing that it's like it's it's usually like silly men who are who are dying in this this uh, trying to play this game. Uh, it is the shapeshifter from the thing, claw cranes, because in that movie it was a bunch of men who. Was, who just died over and over in that film. So uh, claw cranes are the shapeshifters and uh, the shapeshifter in the thing. Wow, that's good. Uh, well. <laughs> I'll that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So my next one, I'm going with a game that Emily actually mentioned already, and that's pinball because it, it's, again, it fits my theme of like, it doesn't seem at first glance, it doesn't seem like it's that crazy or exciting, but, Oh my God! Some of these pinball machines are incre- are incredible. I mean, you said the X Files one is not that great, but they there's literally a pinball machine for every TV show in the last like 20 years, and every popular movie. And some of them are really really crazy. Um, that is why, as a movie with aliens, it's Arrival, the movie from a few years ago by Dennis Villeneuve, because it's like it's a, a like the alien invasion movie technically. But it's nothing like, you know, most of them. It's got a lot more depth. It's not super action-packed. Um, and you have to be kind of like, uh, you know, a little patient, which for pinball, I think patience is also a key. And also striking at the right time. But, uh, yeah, so pinball is uh, the arrival. Did you like that film? <laughs> I did. I didn't think it was, a like, I thought it was interesting. Very interesting. It Because, because of 
how different it was from like your boilerplate because that's it's an alien movie essentially. Okay, so not a fan. <laughs> the composer of that film is uh, unfortunately is no longer with us, but uh, Johan Johansson is oh, that I think he's amazing. He's an amazing composer. The film needed other things. <laughs> but, Fair um, so I, I'm I'm a little bit shoot, shooting out of my ass uh, with this. Great. So, uh, 2001, arguably, I mean, it's in space, right? You could could say that it, it's more than just it's not just a space movie. It's like the the space movie. Um, and. 2001, and I recently saw Matthew McConaughey. Uh, Interstellar. Uh, Interstellar. I recently saw Interstellar, which I had zero expectations for. I thought, this is going to be stupid. And I'm not a huge Anne Hathaway fan either. But I was very happy with it. And so those two things, like, in terms of, like, space, and it, they felt very alien to me. Um, Arcade-wise... <laughs> This is a stretch. Uh, there's a, a a very old arcade game. It's an airplane shoot 'em up game called 1980, 1942, 8, 42, 45, 1945. Yeah. 41, I think. Yeah. 41, yeah, I think it's 41. 41. You know, and I, I feel like there's no relation to those two things, mm-hmm. to the space things other than aircraft. But that works. That works. Here's what you're asking for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. George. Um, so my fourth one is uh, is whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole. I always thought it was just like whack-a-mole, like Giacomo. Uh, I was totally wrong. It's actually whack-a-mole. Um, uh, it's a game that I never really, under- never really got, I, but it is kind of cute to watch the kids play it and use the hammer to hit the things coming up, little moles coming up. And it, it is adorable. It is a fun game. So I was thinking about adorable aliens. I'm going to say Wakamo is the Ewoks of aliens. And yes, I have Googled our Ewoks aliens. And lots of things come back. So <laughs> I will send you all a link to the, the person who wrote the fan fiction about Ewoks <laughs> who are aliens on that planet Andor. I see that What's like that? Jawas are also aliens. Yeah. And also it could be argued that Luke is also an alien. Yeah. Vader is also <laughs> yeah, every- I think they're all aliens, actually. Everybody <laughs> in Star Wars is an alien. Yeah. So the Ewoks from Return of the Jedi are the Wakamos. Because they're so cute. I don't get it, but it's so cute. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, you both are very good at this game. This is very good. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, we, well, I hope so. this is our pod. This is what all of our podcast is. Um, um, but uh, I'm going to do a game that you that has already been mentioned, um, and it's a game that is as far as I mean, just factually, it's basic as fuck. It's super basic and because of the technology was just basic, but it was exciting uh, when it was, when it came out and that's Pong Pong again, it's uh 2d and you're hitting a ball back and forth. And for, you know, when it came out really incredible revolutionary, it was a big deal. Um, but it's, it's uh, at the end of the day, it's just like hitting a ball back and forth. 
So this is might be kind of controversial, but that's why as a movie, it's Star Wars and pick any of them because they're all the same and they're fine. And like when I was a kid, I loved them and the technology was incredible. The technology has kind of passed that by. It's still a great achievement, but like I can only watch a, a Star Wars for like, I don't know, half hour. The, however long I can play Pong for is how long I can watch Star Wars. And it's probably not that long. Not the length of a whole movie. Oh. Yeah, I just, I don't hate it. It's just like, I check out. I just, I'll check out. <laughs> You 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 like science fiction? Yeah, I've never been a Star Wars guy. I was a Star Wars like I liked it as a kid, and it wore, wore off. It's the the I'm a writer. The dialogue is like the worst fucking dialogue in the history of cinema, and the acting is like it makes good actors look terrible. I was gonna go down to the Tashi station, <laughs> pick up some power converter. Gotta go. Thank you. Like I said, I know it was going to be controversial. So, <laughs> Okay. I've had some time to multitask and think. Okay. The underwater scene to Mario Brothers is just some of the best music, to be honest. Remember the music when he goes underwater? Oh, yeah. and it's, truly, it's actually very difficult. I, I found the underwater sequences to be very hard. Um, I will take that to the abyss. Okay. Nice. Thank you. Uh, okay, so for my last one, I'm gonna choose one of my favorite video games or favorite arcade games of all time because, like, you could sit in it, and that was Afterburner. And, like, it was that one that's like you sat in, and the whole thing would move and very, very difficult game to beat. In fact, uh, I don't know a single person that beat it, I don't think anybody ever did, but I'm sure they're out there. So, uh, the way I the, the character in film that I would compare it to would just would be the queen alien in Aliens because, just like Afterburner, that was also difficult to beat <laughs> awesome and uh that fits with my next one because it's a game that george you mentioned first but uh it's probably my favorite game of all time and that's pop shot basketball it's you know you just keep keep shooting and uh it's very simple it's uh you know a couple of balls and an, and a hoop and a net and when it starts you just go and you get like that. The clock starts and it's just a ride and you're panicking and trying to get it as fast as possible. And that's why as a movie, it's alien, the original alien, super simple construct, just a few people on a plane with a fucking monster and you just go and uh, it's, it's intense and yeah, strap in. That's why uh alien is uh, or Papa shot basketball is the alien of arcade games. Emily. Um, remind me of the name of the game with the balls. They're, they're about this big, and you throw them into the little holes. Skee-ball. Skee-ball. Okay. Papa Shot, not as good as Skee-ball. Alien 2, better than Alien 1. <laughs> awesome. Ooh. Awesome. Love it. Ooh. Off the top rope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think uh, I think we did it for the game. Um, I think we did. Um, uh, you did great. Um, Emily, no, this is incredible. Well done. Uh, be before we let you go, please plug something. For okay, us. I will plug. I have a Patreon, which I have decided to do because I have wanted to just make things. And um, so I create new music twice a week on Thursday and Mondays. And it goes out to my Patreon subscribers. You can subscribe to every Monday or Monday and Thursday, or you can get downloads of everything I'm doing. Um, yeah, I'm on Patreon. Emily Hope Price. Awesome. 
And I have a band camp if you want to buy albums there. I have a band camp too. Emily Hope Price, the band camp. Band camp stores. Um, EHP, I believe there is um, something that you worked on. Um, I'm double checking my notes, but um, there was a collaboration that I saw recently that's coming out June 1st. It's an album release, RVK. Yes. Uh, uh, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about that project. Yeah, so I have a, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Brian Rebeck, is uh, very passionate about Iceland. And uh, he has always, and he has a little boutique uh, record label. He came to me a few years, I mean, this is, I, by now it's probably years ago, where he just kept saying, I want to do an album with you. I want to put out, put out some kind of project. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I would love to do it. I'd love to do it. And, you know, with touring and, and work and things kept, put, kept pushed back. But finally, he came to me and he said, look, I've got two people lined up. You can share the album with them. We're going to make it collaborative. You have uh, everyone does a solo song and then you do a, a collaborate on one. And we'll do a 10-inch vinyl, uh, limited release, limited pressing. And the it's two beautiful, beautiful musicians and people from from Iceland. And um, that is on the pre-order on Bandcamp. It's going to be released in uh, June 1st. So, yeah. That's what that project is. That was wonderful. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I think this, I speak for all three of us and say this was a blast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was so nice to talk to you. Thank you. So lovely to see you. We really appreciate you making making time for, for Know Your Roles. Thanks, everyone. Have a lovely evening. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. You too. Bye. HP. Bye. Again, thank you to Emily Hope Price. That was so much fun. Please go ahead and check out her Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Emily Hope Price and her Bandcamp, emilyhopeprice.bandcamp.com. She has a lot of awesome, awesome work on there. Highly recommend uh, getting into it and supporting her. You know, Support indie artists. So now we're going to move into Last Call where we talk about uh, things we are looking forward to and what's uh, coming up here the next week or so. Georgia, what do you got going on? What's, uh, what's, what's happening in your purview? All right. So real quick, the, this, this actress has got one of the highest approval ratings in the George Gordon like index. And uh, she's got a new show out and anything that HBO does, this comes out on Sundays. It has like, like a, like a certain actor that, that who I love and it's on it. I'm going to give it a sniff. And Kate Winslet, who I adored for 20 something years, has got a new show called Mayor of Easttown. And uh, the trailer looks great. And I cannot wait to watch it. I think it, I think it premieres this Sunday. Um, uh, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for a Mayor of Easttown. I'm, it's, it, it might be a little heavy. It's not something I'm going to binge. So I'm going to try to watch it every Sunday. But like Kate Winslet is like basically, she's up there with like Kate Blanchett, Denzel Washington, whatever they do. I'm going to be a part of, I'm going to give it a go. And uh, Mary's sound looks great. Looks a little heavy, but I'm going to watch it. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I think it premieres this Sunday. Dave. Awesome. Yeah. You had me at HBO Sunday, Kate Winslet. Like, yeah, man. That's all I need to know. Um, I haven't seen the trailer, but I've seen some of the the promo stuff for it. It looked, looks interesting. I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to be good. Um, well, the only thing I'm kind of looking forward to is uh, the WNBA. WNBA is getting started back up again. The draft is the draft is this weekend, right? Yeah, it's actually tonight, Thursday, when okay. we're recording this. By the time this podcast uh, drops on Friday morning, um, 
it will have already happened. Yeah, we'll have to see where uh, Ari McDonald, the uh, of course star, one of the stars of the tournaments from Arizona, she's probably going to go in in the top five or, or ten or so. Uh, my hometown, Chicago Sky, have the eighth eighth pick in a mock draft. I, I saw they were looking at the point guard from uh, Stanford who won the championship uh, to mm-hmm. to back up our stud um, Courtney Vandersloot, who's like. You know, incredible uh, point guard. She had 18 assists in the in uh, a bubble game last year, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, the season starting on May 14th. And uh, yeah, my Chicago Sky with uh, Naperville's own Candace Parker. Uh, not a shot, just the truth. Uh, um, happy, happy that she's uh, she's home and bringing that Defensive Player of the Year award to uh, Chicago. And let's get it. Let's go. Chicago sky. All right. Now uh, we're going to check in with producer Mary Bess, our favorite bar regular. And we're going to find out the buzz. Mary Bess, what, uh, what's going on in your world? Thanks Dave. Uh, So there's a lot to contend with these days with the world opening back up and so much uncertainty, vitriol and violence surrounding us. And that's not to mention the internal struggle many are battling inside themselves every day. And there's nothing wrong with feeling overwhelmed or sad or angry. And seeking help outside yourself is nothing to feel shame over. As the late, great DMX said, quote, talking about your problems is viewed as a sign of weakness, when actually it's one of the bravest things you can do. One of the bravest things you can do is put it on the table, chop it up, just let it out. End quote. And with that in mind, I just want to touch briefly on some mental health resources and self-care today. So online therapy is a wonderful resource, especially as we continue the vaccine rollout and we're staying home as much as possible. I personally have been utilizing better help and it's been a real blessing for me personally over the last year. You can access your counselor through messaging, email, phone, and video calls. They offer financial aid for those who apply. And there's even a confidential space to journal on their platform. You can access them at betterhelp.com. Another option is Talkspace, which offers similar accessibility and rates. You can try them at try.talkspace.com. A few other resources I'd like to mention, whether you're looking for support or looking to support others with your time and donations, The Loveland Foundation is an incredible organization established to bring opportunity and healing to communities of color, and especially to Black women and girls. Loveland Therapy Fund provides financial assistance to Black women and girls nationally seeking therapy. You can find them at thelovelandfoundation.org. The Trevor Project is the leading national organization providing crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning young people under 25. You can find them at thetrevorproject.org. And one more is the Asian Mental Health Project, which aims to educate and empower Asian communities in seeking mental health care. You can find them at asianmentalhealthproject.com. If you're experiencing a crisis and need support right now, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. I'll be citing all of these resources in our episode copy today, as well as our link tree for those who follow us on social media platforms. 
So George, Dave, are there any self-care practices you'd like to offer in this conversation? So I think for me, I've been fortunate enough to have a, a group of friends that that like that I'm able to, to text back and forth and just some of our takes about just the little things in life. They they have no idea how much joy they bring me and uh, how much they make me laugh. And uh, I'm just going to shout them out real quick. Um, there's uh, my friends, John and Michael, the, this couple who, I, who I've met a few years ago, and my friends, Matt, Christina. And my friend Rachel and uh, just, just the six of us have these these great little text chains about things like like the the Google dolls are not as good as the Gen Blossoms, just different takes like that and how like a uh, better than Ezra is 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 not as great as uh, Toad the West Sprocket and they have no idea how much joy they bring me just reading these things and uh, I told this story uh, which I'm gonna tell today uh, it's the first time I've told in in years and uh, it's one of those things when I think about it just kind of just kind of makes me laugh and it made everybody else laugh too. And it just, I kind of remind myself of things like that. Uh, I saw Better Than Ezra in concert in like 1997. It was at a music festival and uh, my buddy liked them a lot. thought they were okay. And I was like, yeah, we can go see Better Than Ezra. And midway through the show, some jerk threw a shoe and hit the lead singer right in the face. And everybody was kind of like, oh, wow, I can't believe that somebody would do that to at this Better Than Ezra concert. The, the guy stops the, the show he goes, he goes, you know what, guys, I don't really care if like people don't like us. It's fine. It's whatever. And then he goes, who fuck up through this L.A. gear? And I just makes me laugh. <laughs> just the fact that he shut it up. This, this sneaker that hit him in the face is like, who threw this fucking L.A. gear? And it's so <laughs> I try to think yeah. of those stories from life that I that, 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 that remind me of uh, the, the like uh, <laughs> who threw this fucking L.A. gear will always always entertain me. Dave, Th- that that bring me joy. So uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I was someone who like pre pandemic, I don't know if I really took a lot of stock in like self care, like for myself, you know, even though I knew I know like, uh, how important it is. But uh, I would say I would, I would say that like, I, I personally think that like, probably every human being should be in therapy. Uh, I think it's just helpful. But it's also, good to like you know like you were saying like have your group of friends and and, uh you know share share things whether they be you know silly or silly or or not but a couple of things that i've been doing that that have been helping me uh that i've always wanted to do and just kind of like started to put in practice which are one is meditating um i've been using like this app uh mindfulness app um it's it's fine it's it's nothing special it's you know but like it helps you actually do it because it's like functioning uh it's you know they're structured and you can set times and and i like uh there's like guided ones that you can do voices and it's just basically about reminding you about your breath and 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 things like that um but also you can change like the sounds and i like uh the forest sounds (laughs) and like little frogs and like branches cracking and stuff like it's very soothing make sure you send that out because that sounds incredible yeah yeah it's i love it um i've also been trying to run as much as possible um something i never really did before and and have started over this last year uh to various levels of uh success but uh I find that when I do it, it really is helpful. Like get those endorphins pumping and, and uh, it's also like a nice uh, solitude. You know, you're listening to music and running, running through the city. Two things that uh, have helped me with self-care, I would say, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's a constant process, you know, 
Thank you guys. I really appreciate you sharing, sharing some of your tools, the tools in your, in your toolkit. Awesome. Thanks you guys. Thanks for being a part of this conversation. I appreciate you. Well, I think I speak for George as well and say that we appreciate you. So thank you very much, Mary Bess, producer, Mary Bess. And we're going to uh, go ahead and wrap up this show. George, why don't you tell uh, our listeners what we got going on next week? Give the people something to be excited about. Dave, I don't think we've had we played a game that's been this exciting, like the one we're going to play next week. We got comedian, writer, illustrator, Amanda Zeller. And next week we're playing Nick Cage roles. Amazing. To bake goods. Double amazing. Uh, shout out to my gym for showing the Food Network. And showing a lot of baked goods. So I'm I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to roll next week. So excited. Like I haven't even started. Like my mind is still like uh, going a mile a minute think, thinking about those. I haven't even to focus on it yet. But I am thrilled to be doing that. And also. <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be off the rails next week. <laughs> to talk to uh, Amanda. It'll give us a chance to thank her in person. As she has become part of the team in the last uh few weeks helping us with some digital rebranding and we're going to be uh debuting that as well so definitely follow us on instagram and twitter at uh, kyr pod and you'll be among the first to see that some of that rebranding and yeah again we're really uh excited about that thank you to our awesome team that did the know your roles theme song that's nate 88 alan tech kid and kazo oslo Definitely check out the record that they are all on and that our theme song is on. Fresh Linen on Blue Avian Records. A lot of awesome stuff on that. It's on Bandcamp. Check that out. Please subscribe, rate, and review Know Your Roles wherever you get your podcasts. And please, everybody, be safe and be healthy. And uh, I'm going to do my usual send-off, but I want to shout somebody out because usually I call people out for this. And I'm going to shout this one guy I met at a bar. Um, I can't remember your name, buddy. But we're talking about like 80s punk rock music and we're sitting at a table and the person walks into this bar to go use the bathroom and mid sentence, he's like, oh, yeah, man, you should get the you should get their first record. The first record's great. Uh, yo, my man, can you put your mask on before you go in there? And it went back into talking about punk rock. So shout out to that guy for telling that person to put on your fucking mask over your fucking nose. I'm George Gordon. <laughs>